Hey friends, I am Wren, and I want to welcome you to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a podcast in which you will walk away encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode, I want you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and to be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. If this is the first time you've tuned in, or if you've been joining in for a while, you are welcome here, friend. So many new things happening here at the podcast, and I'm so thrilled about. One of which is that we launched my new website, wrenrobbins.com. I really wanted to have a landing spot where I could share more content with you guys. I would love for you to go sign up for the Friends of a Feather mailing list so that you can start getting emails that encourage, that tell you about resources that can help you in your daily walk, and perhaps a discount code here and there for my favorite companies. Okay, let's get to today's episode. My friend Holly at Same Here Sister Friend voxed me one day and said, Wren, you have got to hear Jess's story. After Jess had spoken at a Veterans Day event, Holly immediately went up to her to encourage her to share her story. Jess has only spoken in public a few other times, and I'm so very grateful that she entrusted me in sharing her story with you today. Jess takes me back to her life of searching for her identity as a young preteen girl and how she kept coming up feeling empty throughout her life. She met and married a man that she fell head over heels in love with, and his name was Tell Gray. One morning, after putting her five-month-old baby girl in her swing for a nap, Jess was devastated, hearing a knock on the door with the news that her first husband, Tell, had been killed in action while he was stationed in Afghanistan. God used a sympathy card filled with verses from a friend she hardly knew that drew Jess to his word. In her desperation, Jess found a Bible in her home and dove in headfirst into reading the scriptures. In this episode, you will hear how Jess came to faith in Christ after visiting with a friend at his church. This friend eventually became Jess's second husband, Rhodes Roberts. In this episode, you will hear how God knit their hearts together. And when I say that this story is amazing, Jess's story is amazing. Okay, let's get to today's episode, my conversation with Jess Roberts. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It is so good to meet you face to face. Yes. I've seen you or talked to you through Voxer, but it is so nice to see you face to face and actually get to talk. Yes, putting a, a voice with a face is wonderful. It is. It's really good. So I just met you over Voxer literally mm-hmm. like last week, maybe mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Maybe Was it mm-hmm. two, two Wednesdays ago? And we were Voxing our friend Holly mm-hmm. um, that she connected us. She's the great connector of people. Yes, that is her, absolutely. That is her tagline. I have a tagline for her. Um, but I'm so excited that I'm going to get to talk to you about your story today and how it's really, it's really God's story. Um, and you have come to him through his story for your life. And I mm-hmm. cannot wait to ask you about it in more detail and to hear it um, from you. So I'm excited yeah. that you're here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm excited too. Okay. So let's kind of go back first before we kind of dive in. Um, if somebody doesn't know Jessica, Jess Roberts, mm-hmm. tell yes. them a little about, about yourself and about your family, what you do, and kind of the area that you live in right now. Okay. So I'm Jessica Roberts, and everyone calls me Jess, and I'm married to Rhodes Roberts, R-H-O-D-E-S. I love that. L- yes. So our his last name is like a first name, and his first name is like a last name, so everyone gets it confused. <gasps> How um, funny. 
Yes, but it's Rhodes Roberts. And we have three girls. So Ava is 11, nearly 12. Ellery is eight. And Leona is three. We adopted her just a little over a year ago from China. So she'll be four in next month. And we live um, in Birmingham, Alabama. We've been here since 2000, just nearly at the end of 2011. And um, we had one year where we were in Haiti. But um, besides that, the rest of it has been in Birmingham around the same area. And I stay home. Um, I am a nurse, but haven't worked for since um, Ava was a baby. And then um, my husband, Rhodes, he works for a construction company in downtown Birmingham. And, um, and th- but I did just start doing group exercise at the YMCA. So, Woo! yes, I'm really excited. I love, I've always been a runner since I was a teenager. Um, I'm not a very good runner, but I, I love it. It's my favorite thing. And I, I stay at the gym and just enjoy it and really wanted to try and help out. Now that kids are in school, had a little flexibility. It's a really flexible job. And so I just started and um, it's really exciting. So That's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. you, like, do you, like, is it a spinning class or what okay. kind of class is it? So uh, first, water aerobics. So okay. This, now we, you know, we need to um, be encouraged by water aerobics. It's actually very difficult. And you wouldn't think so, but it is. And then um, I also will do spin. Um, I just started that. And then she wants me to do Pilates. So three completely different uh, kind of venues for exercise, but I am really excited about it. I love to watch people be encouraged by getting themselves more healthy. And so it's just something I'm really excited about. Okay. Two things about what you just said. Number one, I wish I was in Birmingham because I would come to all your classes because (laughs) I have wanted to do water aerobics forever. I'm serious. Like, I'm like, I want to do that. And then, um, the Pilates. I love Pilates. That's so fun. I haven't done it in years, but that's fun. It is fun. Yes. And then the second thing I want to tell you is do you get, I got to ask you, do you get one of those headsets and then like a microphone so that you're like oh. spinning and like talking and like, come on, let's do this. Do you do that? Okay. Oh, it's, uh, yes. And here's, yes. here. hey, fun, fun fact. So I had to team teach. So like I said, I'm brand new okay. and I had to team teach last week before I even had the, the full nine hour training. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't know what to do or how to do it. So I come and I have like my hair in a ponytail and a braid and I put and I put the um, the microphone on, which I'm not very comfortable with. Yeah. And I'm I'm just doing the first couple songs, and then I'm going to swap with the regular instructor. Okay. okay. Totally get the microphone <gasps> headset stuck in my hair, <laughs> and I could I couldn't get it. I had to pull my whole hair out, and the oh. class was waiting. Yeah. It. You know, we need times to be humbled, and standing mm. there with mm. the class staring was just. I was. <laughs> Like, Lord, this is a weakness, and so use this. And, yes, so it is. And then hearing your voice is weird, so it's all very new. But I am trying to learn how to be loud and encouraging um, and say cool things. I don't usually say cool things, but I'm going to try. Yeah. try to say cool things. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. So let's kind of go back into um, how you grew up. Um, you grew okay. up in the Midwest. What was your view of God at that time? In in elementary school, high school, that kind of time. Okay, the best word I can come up with for that is irrelevant. Mm. There was no picture. Um, 
I didn't have any connection to that in any capacity at all. So it's hard in the South to actually comprehend that. Um, when, when I moved to the South, learning that this is, it's a normal part of life here, even if one is not a believer, it's mm-hmm. still generally a normal part of life. Where, where I grew up and, the, and in the way I grew up, absolutely there are, are many believers and strong believers So because the Lord saves people regardless of geographical location. But um, in my own environment and culture, there was no, I had no concept of, God or authority in that way or salvation. I didn't know any stories, nothing. So when you, like you're just saying, you told your group that you're teaching at group fitness that you're praying for them. You would not have heard that where you were. Never. I never heard uh, words like that. God was irrelevant in your life. Mm -hmm. There was no mention of him and not really anything that you could connect with and I was thinking of this because you know as people as humans we all struggle with identity um, mm-hmm. I mean I think even at a young age of who we are what is our purpose on earth what is yeah. our purpose now as Christians we know our purpose is to glorify God and and to make him known mm-hmm. to others but you know as a non-believer at the time where were you looking for to have your identity oh this is I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. So, I mean, completely hitting the nail on the head. Um, and it's only taken me this long to discover this. So, like you're saying, because God has created every one of us, the longing to find identity is inside of all 7 billion of us that exist on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of if you've ever heard the name of Jesus or not, the right. search is inescapable. Mm-hmm. So, for me, um, I don't recall feeling any pull in any direction prior to the divorce, probably of age and just, you know, not having any kind of maturity to seek any of that out. But when um, my parents divorced, my mom kind of took a different direction with with the culture we were around than what I had been brought up to with at that point. And and always wanting to honor my mom. um, Now, I, I always want to be so careful not to paint her in a light that is is disrespectful or dishonorable, but I know that um, what what ended up happening. So as they got divorced, my mom began kind of spending time with some friends. And and remember, this is the Midwest, and so the the culture, the ranching, Western cowboy culture is very prevalent there. But that's not how I was raised with mom and dad together. Gotcha. Well, once there was the divorce, that's really who my mom began to to spend her time with, and we were then thrust into this world that was completely foreign. So, um, and I was thinking of this last night. So new clothing, new, my mom used like, um, her name is Patricia. She began to use a name, Trisha. So different name, different music. And I was thinking, this is so clearly like, um, a paradox from scripture, just what we're given as with a new identity in Christ. And my mom just, pursuing, um, really seeking to find herself outside of, of the, of being identified in her marriage to my dad. Um, so, but as us kids were with her, we, we kind of became, you know, we had to become a part of all of that. And I had, I was lost. 
mm. completely and totally lost because I am a, not a cowgirl. I'm a bat. I'm like, I'm not, I'm no good at it. And mm. I desperately wanted to be really, really good at it. Um, and so there, there became a, like an insatiable passion to try and um, become something that I had no idea what I was doing mm-hmm. um, and listen to music I didn't really like, the whole, the whole bit. Um, and that is really where that search for identity got wrapped up in is trying to fit in with what was around me. Um, and that never was satisfied until I became a Christ follower. Okay, and especially like you're saying, this is the time it's you're 11, you're 12. I mean, those are like super formative years as as a girl. I mean, everybody, but as a girl especially. So you just realize you were looking for it everywhere. Yeah, it was, yeah. As I look back, I think, oh my, and I have an 11-year-old now. She's nearly 12, Mm -hmm. and I see it. I know the desire to, to feel seen and known. It's so, it's such a... A, a longing for us to to really believe that we are valued, and so then looking inside of this world that I couldn't fit into, um, there there was just I I felt completely empty, mm. um, and I had no idea, and so then all the things that come with that like depression or or whatever like just feeling completely outside of all of that was it was really really hard. Yeah. So let's kind of go, you, you graduate high school, mm-hmm. and then um, tell me a little bit about life um, right before you met your first husband, Tell, and kind mm-hmm. of during that time when you met him. So in high school and college, definite sin patterns were set up. So, you know, engaging in behavior that just wasn't, that wasn't honoring the Lord. Um, I was never told any of that was really wrong. So I, and, and the culture that I was around, everyone else was the same part of it. So, you know, partying and spending time, just, just engaging in behaviors that were completely self-centered and selfish. And so this went all through high school and then into college. And so I was, um, in the middle of nursing school when I met Tell. Okay. So when you met him, did you find your identity in him? Like, was that like you found because he was so loving and caring and catering to you? Did you just say, oh, this is my identity? Did you do that? Yes. Uh, so 100%. Now, when I first met him, I was kind of on the, um, I was ready to hurt people, especially boys and men, because I had been hurt. And so I I didn't take him seriously as much as I could pick him up and throw him. Mm. And um, he was very serious about, um, about he saw me. It was so different from anybody else I'd ever met. Mm. He, 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 let, he saw me, and he loved me no matter what I told him about myself. I was honest with him that I didn't know anything about this culture that I had mm. been brought up in. And it didn't, it didn't scare him off. And, and so then I, I just clung to somebody who, who he assigned value to me that I didn't really know I had. Mm-hmm. And so I completely wrapped myself up in him and he and me too. I mean, it was, it was beautiful um, for me at the time because I had never experienced that kind of affection before. 
he, when I met him, he, so he's from Montana and he came into the shop I was working at cause it was a ranch store and his family has a ranch in Montana. So he was, he was just going to pick up some stuff and put it on the account and, and, and he was kind of milling around and talking and I wasn't impressed. I think he had said something <laughs> about being in, in the 82nd airborne or a paratrooper. And I didn't, it didn't mean diddly squat to me. So I was, <laughs> I, I, I think I was supposed to be impressed, but I didn't know what he was talking about. So I was, I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, but then, and, and he was on his, like a, they call like a block leave before his first deployment to Afghanistan. And so then he, he left, we spent like a week together and then he went back to North Carolina and I think we talked every day and then he, um, then he left for eight months and we spent those eight months writing letter after letter after letter after letter. And I just, I fell head over heels for him. Hmm. He comes back eight months later and he was only there. I only saw him four more times. And so he, we see each other at at different times. So like Thanksgiving break and there was a funeral in Florida. My grandfather had died and and other times. And then he comes back for that Christmas um, that same year. And he's, he's now being deployed to Iraq. And so, um, Christmas Eve, he asked me to marry him. And, uh, so I'd, I'd really only seen him like five times. Wow. uh, Face to face. Yeah. Yeah. But all the letters that y'all had written for all those eight months, Mm -hmm. you fell in love with them. Mm -hmm. I knew everything about him. And so, so he asked me to marry him on Christmas Eve. And then the day after Christmas, we went to the courthouse and eloped and didn't tell anybody. Wow. Whirlwind, right? Whirlwind romance. (laughs) Yes, and here's a key piece of this is that that was a poor decision. And I hurt my mom in that process, oh, and so sure. that was really hard because yeah. um, she would have been, I dishonored her, and, um, and, I know, and I knew that I had hurt her, and I'd, um, I should not have done that. But, uh, and so I don't recommend yeah. doing that. That yeah. is not, uh, it's sure. very romantic, but I do not recommend yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah, hindsight. yeah, yeah, hindsight. Okay, tell me a little bit about that date in July that meant a lot to you. So this is July 2006, and I know this date like I know my own name because, A, it was my mom's birthday, and B, um, I woke up that morning that he was to, to leave, and he had some packing to finish, and then everyone goes, and you kind of send them off, and it's terribly sad, but it was only supposed to be six months. And, um, so, but I am so sick and I'm throwing up and I can't figure it out. And, um, so I, he's, he, I said, I, I, wouldn't that be ironic if I was pregnant, if I found out I was pregnant and he's like, no. And so I said, I, and I just could not stop puking that morning. And so he goes to the drugstore and and buys some pregnancy tests. And sure enough, I, all four of them were very positive. Mm. Um, (laughs) and so he's leaving that day and I'm finding out I'm pregnant. Wow. Wow. And that's huge. So yeah, it was a huge, all he did is he, I I remember him walking up to me and just kind of high-fiving me Mm. like, yay, we're pregnant. So he leaves and, um, I, he's hoping to be home for R and R, uh, that rest and recuperation time that they're given when they're on a deployment longer than so many months. Um, uh, because, uh, he's hoping to be home for when Ava was born. Uh, but 
prior to him leaving, we were, he said, we had a little bit of time. They said 22 days. And he said, can we try to get to Washington, D.C.? He'd never been to Arlington and he really wanted to see Arlington and D.C. and all the memorials. So we were making our way. We were right outside of Richmond, Virginia. And he gets a call from his first sergeant or something that they moved the time back. And so we needed to turn around mm. and and never could make it up to Arlington. And th- that's where he's buried. Um, so it was a hard thing mm. for him. He never got to see the place that he, he had always wanted to be buried in. Mm. Um, but wow. then anyway, so he, so uh, his, his plan was to be home for her birth if possible, but if not after she was born mm-hmm. and he couldn't make it back um, in time for when she was born, but he was on speakerphone. So he was in oh. Baghdad. And I'm in labor and he's wow. listening. And so I have Ava and um, she's in, uh, she had jaundice. So we're in the hospital about four days. Mm-hmm. And he finally gets his, his travel plans and is making his way back. And I had a friend. I was still in the hospital. I wasn't discharged yet oh, with Ava. Wow. So he, he, someone went and picked him up and brought him to the hospital. Oh. And he was, it just, he was, he smelled of, he hadn't showered since he left Iraq. Oh, and wow. so he just brought war mm. all over him. Mm. And it, I just, I'll never forget that because he was shaking and I had to remind him to wash his hands before picking up his daughter that he didn't even get to be around for the pregnancy. Mm. It was just a hard, it was just, that was a hard moment. And I was just had a baby. It was just a, it, you know, there's so many emotions mm. anyway, oh, which yeah. are normal after having a, a child. Right. But in addition to all of this, like he was going back and in this particular deployment, this was during the surge. So, um, president Bush had kind of initiated the surge of troops into, um, Iraq and Afghanistan in 2007. And, and the 82nd was just happened to be a part of that. And mm. so it was an indefinite deployment. They weren't given a time when they were wow. coming back. Mm. So every week or every month when we would get a chance to talk, there was just, when are you coming? Do you know when you're coming? Mm. Um, and so he, we spent two weeks together after Ava was born. Um, and they were not easy because I was trying to figure out how to be a mom yeah. and nursing and my body felt weird. And I, mm. he was there and he was having dreams and it was just, mm. it was a really stressful time. Yeah. Um, and then he had to go back, and you can't, you mm. can't ask them to stay. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. And ahead, sorry. And no. And so he left two weeks after you gave birth, and he left, yeah. and that was in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tell me, in and when was it in two thousand seven? How far along was it when he went back? Did you get that dreaded um, visit at your door? So, uh, that would have been, so he went back in April at, toward the end of April. Um, and so that was the last time I saw him, uh, just very postpartum, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember kissing him and, and saying, I'll see you later, please come back. Um, mm-hmm. and so then September, so five months later, so Ava was, she had just turned five months and uh, so September 10th is when I was sitting in my, well, it was interesting because 
I had, it was Labor Day weekend and I had spent, my mom was a traveling nurse and I had spent the weekend with her in Oak Island, North Carolina. What a beautiful spot. Mm. And it was this, it, but it was for some reason a melancholy weekend. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, it was starting to get chilly, but it was Ava's first time at the ocean and like putting her little tiny toes in the water, just wishing he could be there and see all of this stuff. And I, I remember laying down the night before I drove back to Fayetteville um, and just feeling like this gratitude that I didn't want to go away. Mm-hmm. Like, please, he's coming back. Please, please, please. I'm happy. Something. I Thank you. Thank I don't even know who I was thanking because mm-hmm. I didn't know. Right. And, and prior to this, I guess I should say, there was um, one of his friends was shot in the head and was... Um, in in hospital he he survived mm-hmm. and they had just had a lot of stuff and they were weary mm-hmm. and he and tell didn't get weary and so i was weary and i knew he was all of them were weary they want they had been deployed now for over a year 14 mm-hmm. months and there was just no sign of coming home mm-hmm. um and so i uh, drove back the next morning just feeling kind of yucky I, it, or sad somber. I couldn't put my finger on what I was experiencing. Mm. And so I get home and this was during MySpace. Do you remember MySpace? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was during MySpace and I, uh, tell and I didn't use the computer very much, mm-hmm. uh, cause both of us just never had that, those sorts of things even. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just always wrote physical letters, but one of his friends was always on MySpace, a guy in his platoon, a kid. He was a kid. He was 20, mm. 21. And, um, so I went to see if Mikey had been online because I knew if Mikey had been online, then they're all there at the uh, back at their where they're supposed to be. Gotcha. And it said he hadn't been online in like two, three days. Mm. And of course, I hadn't heard anything. Um, and the last thing I had spoken to tell just before I went to Oak Island and he said, have so much fun with your mom and Ava. Um, and I love you. Uh, lobster. He would say lobster. I love you, lobster. And um, I, I said, okay, hopefully I'll talk to you on Monday or Tuesday or whenever. Um, and so I saw that Mikey hadn't been online. It was weird for me. And then the doorbell rang. And mm-hmm. I, um, I had laid Ava down in her swing. That's where she napped. And I laid her in her swing in the living room. And I walked past that. And I had a sign on the door, like a happy fall sign. Mm-hmm. So it was covering the peephole. Mm-hmm. And so I, ha- I had to look out the laundry room window. And I could see these two men standing there. Um, with uniforms on and you know, you know what that is. Mm. And, um, and so I opened the door and they said something. I'm pretty sure it was like on behalf of a grateful nation. Mm. And I just, I'm, I, I feel like what I could muster was just no, Mm. like this, you're not really here to do that. Mm. Like that's not going to happen to me. Mm. And, and if you look past me, you'll see my baby. She, she's in the swing. So you can't, that's not what you're doing. Mm. And they just stand there. They can't touch you. They can't Mm. say any details. They just stand there. And I just fell. Mm. And it was like, this is not, he's just injured. That's what they're going to then say is we're so sorry he's injured. Um, but he was, he was dead. And 
then I, and then everything from there was very fast and slow at the same time. Um, my friends were all of a sudden on the floor with me and I guess they had gotten notification before me. So the officer's wives, and then they, they try to institute like a, a grief, like come be support. Cause so many of us in the, in the military, uh, life don't have family around. And so they have to have support. And so they were just holding me and I was, I was angry because if they were there, it meant their husbands were alive. Mm. And isn't that awful to be angry about that? That's what you were feeling. I just remember thinking, if you're here, then Mm. they're not dead. And Mm. I, mine is. Mm. And that's not fair. Um, But then, you know, from that moment, it just went by fast. And everything just fell apart, but then became really clear very quickly. I can't Mm. explain the clarity I had, um, but that this was final and I couldn't, as much as it broke my heart, my chest muscles would hurt from crying so hard. I couldn't manifest him. He wasn't going to come back to me. Mm. That's a hard thing to get through your mind. Like you can't make somebody appear Mm. when they're gone. Tell me about that. I mean, and you're grieving and you're having, you know, you have a, a six-month-old at the time, right? Yeah, she was five months. Five months. When he died. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you're grieving that. You're a new mom. You're, you're struggling through all of this. And you receive a card in the mail. Yeah. And it is a sympathy card from an acquaintance, a, a friend that you don't know very well. And right. tell me how that card started you on a path of searching for God? So my friend, Christy, um, who I didn't know at all, hardly at all. She, yeah, she, she was an acquaintance and then, um, but had started to come around and she sent a card. Her dad is a pastor in Mississippi. And so she grew up around the same things that you did and that so many other people did and knew stuff that that's what you do after someone dies. But I, I didn't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I felt there was a, a moment where I remember walking into my house and feeling like I can go one of two ways with, with this death in myself, in my life, of my beloved. I can go one of two ways. One would be the way I was raised, which was... I could have drowned my sorrows in any manner of substance or whatever and, and, and feel and, and go that direction or, and so this is only the Lord who, who directed me to this card because the, or I don't know where that came from. Mm. Like I can either go the direction, go to the bar, go do something that will make you just not feel any of this Mm. or, and the, or was like, find a different way. And I could see a visual of like a higher road. And somehow I just have this card and this piece of paper falls out with verses. And so I just opened the word one day and it has several verses. And 
And Psalm 139 was was maybe not even one of them, to be honest with you. I have the paper, and I was going to try and find it so I could remember, but then I, I don't. I think it may be in my my box of stuff of tell, and I have a very hard time opening that, so mm-hmm. I did not look for that. Yeah. Um, but somehow I landed on Psalm one thirty nine, mm-hmm. and although it's it, this is not a psalm that is for the brokenhearted, right? But it was about being seen mm-hmm. and known, and I remember sitting on the side of the bed as I was reading this, and at the time I was like. Does Tell see me? Am, am I? Can he hear me? Am, does someone know that how bad this hurts? And and I'd read it every single day, and I'd just fall on the floor and just sob and wonder if he was if he was there. And then somehow that began to translate to: Is God seeing me? Is he? So he sees he he sees this he sees my heart is in pieces, mm. and so maybe if I just keep reading, and I want to know more about this, and so then I was like I should pray. People pray, mm. right? And so I was like I didn't know how to do that. And I remember the only place I really felt comfortable and vulnerable enough to pray was in the shower, and there was like this tiny little spider that lived you know, in the corner of my, and I was alone all the time. So I talked to the little tiny spider. He just like made his little home. And so then I would just pray looking at the spider. That sounds mm. so strange. No. But it, it is, it is a complete, it's a person who is unreached, right? Like I had mm. no concept of the gospel. Right. I'd never heard it before trying to figure out yeah. is someone listening to me. Yeah. And, and, and the, the next step is, is when that really became reality. And that's when I met Rhodes. Mm. So through all that, you started searching the scriptures and you just yeah. picked up, happened to have a Bible at your house and you don't really know how it got there, right? It was just something no. that you had. Yes, it's big and fat. Maybe my mom had one, which I'm sure she always had one. She grew up in church and she may have left it there, but there was no reason for me to have had a Bible. So it was weird. Yeah. But so great that you just went to it and just just poured yourself. It sounds mm-hmm. like you just poured yourself out to the Lord and just went to the scriptures, yeah. which is exactly, oh, it's just, it's incredible. I love yeah. that. I love that. Um, and that's what we should do even as Christians, as, as believers, is pour out our heart and go to the scripture before we yeah. go other places. Go to the scripture. But I love that you did that. And then tell me... Um, the first moment that you saw Rhodes, okay. your now husband, and also yeah. tell me how many weeks or months have passed since you have found out about Tell passing away um, okay. when Ava was five months old. Yeah. So um, uh, I first met Rhodes really that next November, or not next November, that November. So Tell died in September. And, uh, Rhodes was in the, the same accident. It was, they were infantry, but it was a truck accident and it killed seven guys that day. And Rhodes was in the, in the front of the truck as it went over, um, it went over an overpass, um, and, and fell, um, and, and crashed. And I didn't know Rhodes though. I knew all the other guys, but, uh, Rhodes was new to the unit. And I remember Tell saying, um, Hey, we have a new LT, uh, Rhodes is an officer, and I really like him. He's like, 
he's like an enlisted man's officer. And I was like, oh, that's great. Um, and when he, and when Tell first met Rhodes is when Tell was leaving to come meet Ava and Rhodes was mm. uh, just getting to the unit and he was congratulating him on being, becoming a daddy. Wow. Um, but then uh, that's all I knew of this Roberts person. They just called him LT or LT Bob or whatever. And so I didn't have any idea who he was. Well, after all the rest of the unit got back, so the guys that were injured or killed, you know, well, the, the rest of the unit had to stay. Mm. I mean, that you can't, they don't send everybody home. So they all came back in November mm. and Rhodes had been on convalescent leave with some several surgeries he had to have on his shoulder because it was broken and, uh, you know, and so he, he come to, to come to this dinner that we were all just going to meet at Texas Roadhouse and just kind of meet together after everyone got back. And, and they invited me to come because they loved Gray. That was uh, Tell's last name. And um, so I get s- sat at a table. Everyone just kind of sits down. And I remember thinking Texas Roadhouse was fancy, which I, I still, you know, it's fine. But I remember being like, oh, I'm at this fancy restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he, he, I get sat at a table with Rhodes. And he, he, when our food comes, he bows his head over his food to ask a blessing. Mm. And this was completely new to me. Mm. Like, A, why was he doing that? And B, wasn't he embarrassed to do that in front of so many men and so many people? Mm. And it, it, it sounds strange now, but that was so foreign to me. Yeah. But I was interested. I wanted mm. to know what he was doing. Why, why was he doing that? And well, yeah. and he also, I mean, you have been on, I mean, like diving into your Bible. I mean, like reading furiously, like what in the last two months since yes. Tell had passed away. And so that's another thing that you're, that God put, in your path. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He completely set Rhodes and I at the same table mm-hmm. so that I would see that and be interested because I I really at this time wanted to be a part of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought church was like supposed to be super fancy and clean and um, like clean people went to church is what I had thought. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to find one that was beautiful. I just had the, I completely had a, um, a, a complete D- different picture of what church mm-hmm. was sure. based on what I thought I saw in the culture. So anyway, um, so I, I decided to befriend Rhodes and I got his number and I called him to be my friend. Like I wanted him to come mm-hmm. grocery shopping with me. Yeah. I invited him to do, cause I just wanted to, there was something about him I wanted to know more about. And at first nothing was, um, there wasn't anything where I thought, ooh, I like that boy or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. No romantic just, thing. It was just mm-hmm. a friend. And, yeah. you know, you knew he had something in the light inside of him that you wanted. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so then I began to, I was I was telling him that I was going to church, you know, like like trying to. Yeah. Like, look. I was trying to, hey, look what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Um, do you do that too? And uh, <laughs> he he, he, and, and of course he was right. Like, Mm. of course. And so he was a a member at this church in in North Carolina. And so, um, I had been going to this one particular church and I had purchased a pink Bible Mm. and I kept bringing it and they never opened it. And I got Mm. frustrated Mm. because they would read something at the beginning and then there was just a talk, but the church was so beautiful. So I was so confused. I was like, what are we doing? I didn't understand why we weren't reading our Bibles in church. I thought that's what people did. Wow. So I asked if I could come with Rhodes one time to his church, and that's all we did. 
And so mm. I started going to church with him and um, I was baptized there and that just, I was eating it up, every bit of it. Mm. So tell me about the moment when you knew that you had passed from death to life. So there, I think that there was a, a, a moment at his church, because they still did like an altar call mm. um, at that particular church, and I couldn't stop myself from getting up. Mm. I knew that this, that this was something I wanted to do in obedience, and that every, everything that I was supposed to be as a Christian, that I wanted to do all of it. And mm. so I, I told Rhodes, because I, I still thought people were, would people be embarrassed to do that? Do people feel pressure? And I said, I'm, I'm going to get up and, and go down there. And he said, absolutely. And so I did, and mm. I just was giddy about it. Mm. And that, so I, I know I was, I mean, I know the day I was baptized, but I don't, I don't know the exact day that I remember feeling like there's no going back. I don't want mm. to be anything that I ever was before. Mm. That's incredible. It's incredible, you know? know, and it's incredible. He's right there saying, absolutely, you know, yeah. gosh, that's so good. He wasn't at all ashamed. No. Gosh, I remember feeling like, and for, and to sing, cause I didn't grow up singing ever anywhere, yeah. um, except in the car when you couldn't hear yourself. <laughs> and so I didn't know that people actually stood there and sang. Mm. That was super weird to me. Yeah. And here was Rhodes singing along. <laughs> I, I remember staring at him being like, he is not embarrassed to sing and he's kind of good at it too. But mm-hmm. he just sang and he knew these hymns that he'd grown up with like by heart mm-hmm. and they they were embedded in his his cells. Um, mm-hmm. And so there you couldn't divorce him from what he he believed and he wasn't going to let shame or embarrass none of that stuff even um, ever ever flustered him mm-hmm. at, at any point. And that was incredible to me because that was steadfastness that I had never seen before. Mm. Well, and so y'all are friends. You're mm-hmm. walking with the Lord. You are a strong believer, even just starting out, but you are wanting to get in the Word. You are in the Word. You're praying. You've got mm-hmm. your friend, Rhodes, beside you. What switch from y'all just being friends to, like, you're my, you are my life partner now? <laughs> yeah. So I had read that younger widows should remarry, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's a beautiful person, and Tell was a beautiful. How I managed to get these two beautiful mm-hmm. boys, I have no, I have mm-hmm. no, I can't fathom it. But so he, he A, is, a, is an attractive man, but I hadn't really seen it until we spent a lot of time together, and his devotion and desire to be around Ava was significant for me. Um, he asked me to teach him how to change her diapers. He wanted to babysit so I could go places. He was never at my house by himself. He would come with a group. Mm. Um, he maintained an, an, an honor that I, I had never seen before. Mm. He was, he was, he never would have approached me in a way that, um, that was dishonoring to tell. Um, Mm. he asked me when he could call him by his first name rather than referring to him as gray, which is how he was always referred to. But he said he Rhodes asked permission to call him tell since I called him tell. Um, he was just the most respectful and kind person. And so it was only a few months later 
like maybe at the beginning of the next year. So, so mind you, this is only, this is less than half a year after I lost the complete love of my life. And this did not sit well with a lot of people. Mm. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I prayed and I asked Rhodes and we talked about it. I said, the Bible says this. What do you think of these things? Like, um, actually, before all of that, I, I decided in my heart, and I remember telling my sister, um, I like Rhodes. And she was like, well, he, he's pretty handsome. And I was like, yeah, and that's weird. I don't know why that I <laughs> right. like him, but I do. Right. And I'm going to tell him because this is, I've been married. There's no sense in wasting, mm-hmm. like, this mm-hmm. world of dating for 100 years doesn't make any sense to me because I loved being married. I loved right. it. Right. And so one night I called him on the phone and I said, I'm just going to tell you that I like you. And mm-hmm. there's that. So there. <laughs> and and he, he was like, well, I think you're a pretty lady. Aww. <laughs> And, and so I said, so I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there and that's going to be weird, but, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to let it be weird. And so then we talked a lot about it because, um, especially on my side of the family, for some reason that was not okay. I was being unfaithful to tell, and I Mm -hmm. actually lost quite a, there were many people on my mom's side of the family that wouldn't speak to me, um, for years because of that, um, because of some, some, mindset that I had been, that I was cheating or, or being Mm. unfaithful to Mm. tell, but I, I poured over the word and asked the Lord, I loved him so much. I'm not, I'm not doing something that's wrong. He's not here. Right. He can't love me Mm -hmm. and care for our daughter. He's not here to, and I wasn't angry with him, but that's just the reality. When someone dies, they're gone. Mm. And, and, and there was an army widow book that someone had given me. And one of the first recommendations it said was, you cannot be in love with them anymore. Mm. You can love them. You cannot be in love with somebody who's not there because it's not reciprocal at that point. Mm. And, I, and I took that as a, a, a finality of, yeah. and, it be, and it actually gave me peace. Yeah. So it was it was early the next year and and Rhodes and I just decided to start spending time together in that capacity. And since we had Ava, there was no like dating. It was just right. he would come over for dinner and then he would leave. And yeah, that, yeah. And, just spend that time. That was. Yeah, spend yeah. that time together. Well, and let me ask you why you were experiencing all this joy with Rhodes and, you know, joy that you didn't even foresee happening. I mean, you're walking with the Lord, you are a a believer, and now you have this wonderful man, a man of honor and integrity that you are falling in love with. How does, you know, we've heard that joy and sorrow um, mingle, you know, Mm -hmm. that you can experience both at the same time. How would you describe that? Would you describe that that is what you are experiencing? Absolutely. So here's, Here's something that I, this is why I feel like I should, the Lord has called me to share this story finally, is God gave me Rhodes who understood the depth of the grief I was experiencing um, because he lost seven guys from his own platoon that day. Mm. And we would sit and just sob side by side. Just, I would bring up something about tell and and it would break his heart, and we would just cry. Mm. And these are private moments that nobody else saw. I didn't have to prove it to anybody. When, when the the world was saying like 
I should feel this way or this way. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't knowing that I was sitting there with this man that would cry with me mm-hmm. and and that I could look in his eyes and it was complete, genuine sorrow over what was lost. But at the same time, he could love this hope that we had in, in Christ and for the future of our own lives together. Mm-hmm. And that was that's a grace from God that I, I can't, I could never um, put words to how much that is a sweet gift to have that. So we, we would spend time together, which is, it's, which is exciting. And then we would drive up to DC and spend a weekend in, in, in DC with Ava. And so here we are, this strange little family that could love and cry and laugh all at the same time. And the only thing that kind of bound that together without, without selfishness entering in, I think, um, is God's grace. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever, and this is how I know that this was the Lord's work, is I didn't demand that Rhodes understand my pain. And he didn't demand I understand what he saw that day because he saw things I don't have a visual memory of. Um, he saw his friends dying and dead, and I didn't see that. Um, and so we both, he, for because of God's protection and, and of our hearts, we've, I don't, and we've been married almost ten years, and there's never been a time where he's demanded that I understand what he's been through, and I've never demanded that he, you know, he can't figure out how hard this has been for me because both of us have had to walk through the hard and and at the end of all of it God drew us together so there wasn't there was no reason to sit there in our selfishness of pain mm. and that's that's profound to me because mm-hmm. I, the Jessica prior to that would have demanded all of that mm. I I would have I would have said this is my pain, and you can't figure this out. Therefore, I'm alone in all of this. Um, mm. But there was joy because I had him to walk right next to me in it. And that's, I mean, that's Jesus in you, you know? I mean, you can totally mm. see it clearly. That was Jesus in you. And I want to ask you, you know, it's hard, um, you know, I've heard that they say you can learn things in the dark that you would never have seen in the light. I don't yeah. know who said that, but I... I what are the things that God just just totally met you in the darkness and showed you? That there is not despair. Mm-hmm. Like, as in my very, very deepest grief, I couldn't, there, there isn't despair because there is purpose. And when the temptation comes to, to, to go to despair, I'm always reminded that God is not confused or surprised or was taken aback by any of this and that he allowed every bit of it for his glory. And so, and that's, that's completely other than anything I ever knew prior to him. And, and so that point leads me to, um, I've learned in, in sorrow, um, that humility is is one of the greatest points that the Lord is trying to drive us toward is to think less of ourselves in that and really focus deeply on 
there is purpose in this. And I can't figure out what it is. And so for many years up until now, I haven't been able to pinpoint what the purpose has been, um, except for reducing myself and glorifying God. And so um, the things that I learned in the darkness is there really is no despair in Christ. Um, We're not driven to despair and to trust in His goodness and His just judgment. Um, I don't, I, I trust that God is good in allowing Tell to, to be killed at 26. That's, uh, the world doesn't really tell us that, those things, um, but He is good in doing that. Um, and, and the state of, of where Tell is, I pray, I hope, um, his mom has told me that he professed faith in Christ at a young age and went to Bible camp and a few other things. And, and he did tell me in several letters just before he died, he's told me a few things. He wanted to go to church and he wanted to be re He said rebaptized when he came home, mm-hmm. which I didn't know what he was talking about, but I was right. like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Uh-huh, and he, uh-huh. he told me he wanted to be buried in Arlington and he wanted me to remarry. Those are the three things. Oh. What an incredible, I mean, you read that in his letters where he said those things. And what a, I don't know, that just gives you peace and comfort, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it that's the to. Lord. Yeah. Yes. And he, that, that, that God gave me those glimpses. Yeah. Um, and that even so, regardless, God is good. And so I, tr- I trust him and my hope and, and joy is that I get to see him again. Mm. I just, I hope in that and that he gets to see Ava. Mm. Um, yeah. I want to ask you one more question before we kind of do the lightning round of questions. But one more question. What would you say to someone who is not a believer or mm-hmm. who is a believer that is going through an extremely dark time, extremely with grief, that is overcoming and that all they can do right now is cry and that's it. What would you say to that woman right now? Yes. You are seen. Like your tears are not in vain and they are seen. Even the unbeliever, you're, you're seen because you were created. Yeah. So you're never outside of the eyes of the Lord seeing pain and his desire in all of that believer or unbeliever, is to come to himself, to place our hopes for healing, our hopes for our chest to stop hurting with that crying that hurts so hard, that our hope is in him, that we cannot rely on the world around us to fulfill our need to feel good, to, to feel healed, to feel whole, to feel less pain, to feel happy, or any of those, we can't rely on any circumstances outside of God's goodness. And and if the only thing that you can do is read the Bible, and that's it. You can't do it. You can't talk to friends. You can't go to a support meeting. You can't even be a part of your faith family at that time, or say you're not a believer and you can't, you know, muster up enough courage to read a self-help book or anything like that. The Word of God is sufficient for mending our broken hearts and sufficient for saying, I see you and you are not outside of my capacity to hold you in this. That's Mm. what I would say. And that is 
heard, I know many women right now are hearing that and knowing that 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 that's a word for them that is a word for them right now so. there's a lot of yeah. people hurting um and unexpected hurts thank you for sharing your story with us this is um it's amazing and i know we don't have time to go through this but i know a lot of other people a lot of friends acquaintances have come to know jesus through your story and i'm so. so grateful that you are sharing your story and yeah. telling others about it because that's hard it's hard yeah it's a hard yeah. story, um, but it is so good. And God is good, like you said, no matter what. Right. It's good no matter what. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. that. Well, okay. You. Are you good with answering these, like, fun questions? I feel yes. I don't want to be disrespectful or irreverent nope. at all. But always. Are you good always. with these? Okay. Always are you good, good. with these? All right. We're going to change gears and talk a little bit, like, three or four more questions um, about, you know, I talk about friendship and encouraging friends and others. How do you connect with friends? What is the most fun you've had with your friends? So my best, best friend is my sister, and she's in Alaska. So oh, I don't get to connect wow. with her physically. Yeah. Yeah. She walked with me this entire way. She was saved out, out of Pastel's death and, and also my brother and my dad. And, um, mm. and so the, the best, the, this is weird, but the most fun my sister have and I, or my sister and I have together is um, like just a target run. I don't, I can't describe it. We can smell laundry detergent because I can laugh with her <laughs> over. I can't, I mean, we're in the, we all, we always say two bodies, one brain, and, and, uh. and we just think the exact same things. And so I can spend time with her in the laundry aisle and nearly pee my pants laughing. So she, <laughs> she like, I don't, I can't understand it, but she, we are just connected so closely. Mm. And then, but my friends here, if I, like, I love working out with them. That's one thing that I, I value is spending time with my two close friends. We exercise a lot together. But any time that we have an opportunity to just, um, like, all the kids are just so loud and they're all <laughs> running around and we manage to, like, knock out. We're laughing really hard. Then we get really serious. Then we can talk about something and all the kids are coming up and they, and our girls have all decided, they call it the net of talking. They love when we all get started talking because then they can go do whatever they want <laughs> and none of us are paying attention. Yeah. So in this season, like with kids, it really has to be done in a way that's fast. Yeah. You have to say what you need to say really quickly. Yeah. Um, and they're usually sporadic. So I'm, yeah. I'm trying to be intentional with like, Hey, let's have lunch. Um, but that's the most fun is exercise okay. or when, when we can just have our fast conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. That's good practical advice. Fast conversations. We have to do it yeah. fast, right? We can yeah. talk fast. We can do it. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Tell me, these are my three questions at the end. What are you okay. eating? What are you reading? What are you loving? Okay. So what I'm eating, this is super fun. I now have, um, so many issues with my tummy, um, PS related to trauma, uh, so if anybody wrestles with some chronic illness that they've had, because um, we're in counseling after adoption and I'm learning just some trauma that I had when I was a kid, just the divorce and, and such a hard home life, um, it can really lend to chronic illness, especially GI troubles. So oh. just something to explore if, if there's women that are like, I've always felt bad, my stomach, I've always had this issue. Sometimes it's really tied to something. Okay. So I so I'm kind of in this elimination world. Oh, yeah. So I have no grain mm -hmm. or dairy or peanuts or 
porn, nothing like that. Yeah. So, but I, w- I was thinking about your question and, um, I teach English class and my Japanese students, I ask them what they eat for breakfast now that I can't have my beloved oatmeal <laughs> and, um, cause I can have rice and they eat okay. egg on top of rice. <gasps> oh, yum. Yeah, so I'm doing that, and with spinach, and I really like it. That so sounds really yummy. I like spinach, yeah. I like rice, I like eggs. Put them together. It's, it's every morning. It's like it's like chicken fried rice without the chicken and the fried. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's no, exactly right. That sounds so really that's healthy. Okay. That's what I'm eating, and right. I'm loving that. What I'm reading is Eric Little. Is this how you pronounce oh, his name? I think His so. biography. For the, I put it out here, so I remember, for the glory. Um, yes. I've Just, heard of that. Yes. So he, I want to make sure that running and doesn't become an idol. Mm. And he is an excellent person. I love biographies are my favorite. So if anybody yeah. has recommendations, I love biographies. Okay. That's awesome. um, so I'm reading his because he said when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. And oh. that is what we're, the Lord made our bodies to move but for his glory and not for our own purposes. Mm. So I'm desiring to make sure to always put running underneath the authority and the wisdom of God and to, to remain there. So that's what I'm reading. That's great. And it's really good. Okay. And what am I loving? You know what I'm loving? Let me tell you because I had a victory yesterday. I'm loving sweet moments with our adopted daughter, Leona. Mm. We have had a very hard year and my heart is starting to beat mother like beats for her. Mm. And even though we've been home a year, those beats haven't come naturally to me, which has surprised me um, because she's like, we now have three daughters from three daddies and it's kind of strange, but that's Mm. our family. Yeah. And I, I thought that it would be so natural for me because we're already weird to just bring in adoption and it be beautiful and completely natural. Right. But it hasn't been. Yeah. It's been terrifically hard Mm. and completely humbling and the Lord has driven me to such a need for Him within mm. it. But I am starting to look at her through mother eyes. Oh. Um, even as recent as yesterday, just feeling an urge to pick her up out of just a strong mother love. Mm. Um, and that, to me, is in an enormous victory. That is. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Great. I love that, that you're loving that. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. I think yeah. we all hear you know, about like the big victories and, you know, look at this and look at that, especially on social media and everything. But man, you know, even the day-to-day victories, that's what I mean. The day-to-day victories, we need to celebrate those. And that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would love to have you back on to talk about your adoption process and everything, but I'm so grateful that you got to share your story of how you came to faith in Jesus and uh, how he used all the hard things in your life um, to give glory to himself. And that's why we do what we do. So yes. thank you so much, Jess. Well, thank you, Ren. This has been, this is so good for me and and an honor for me to be able to share and to hope, hopefully exalt his name above all things. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that opportunity. It was an honor for me. Thanks. Wow, I am so grateful to Jess for coming on the podcast and sharing her story with all of us. And I know I had a friend in mind as I was listening to Jess and talk about the dark, hard times. And if you have a friend that's going through something right now, I would love for you to forward this episode on to them. I think we're all better together, and today is the perfect time to give that friend in mind some encouragement. 
And don't forget, all of the links and things that Jess and I talked about will be in the show notes. If you go to renrobbins.com forward slash podcast, you can find all of them there. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends. Thank you.